Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack and my pronouns are they and them, I'm okay with he and him. I'm Nova and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena, my pronouns are she, they. I'm Mrs. Nova and my pronouns are she, her. And what we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. Cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. (laughs) We're leftists here, uh, which means that we have really radical takes, like that army recruiters shouldn't act like creepy groomers. You know, just really wild stuff like that. So just keep that in mind whenever we're, you know, voicing a take or... Uh, you know, making an observation or analysis of some some form that we have really, really radical uh, radical views. Got a couple of content warnings for y'all. Um, discussion of injury, bodily harm, violence, uh, homophobia, transphobia, um, toxic masculinity, this abuse of power type of things like that. So just be aware of those things before you continue in the episode. Uh, so what we've been doing is watching sitcoms and analyzing them, uh, trying to sort of see how the, the sitcom world tries to dominate uh, the, uh, the, the worldview of our society just by explaining what's acceptable and what isn't. Today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. It, I, don't, I don't think you would classify this one as a sitcom per se, but it's kind of a dramedy maybe from uh, this one. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah this one is a mash. And uh, it's, a, it's a show, this particular episode is from Season 9, uh, Episode 7, called Your Retention, Please. It aired in 1981. And um, anyone who's unfamiliar, uh, this show is a, a, you know, a drama comedy about the medical unit in the Korean War. Is that right? Um, yep, Korean War. And uh, uh, Mrs. Nova, if you want to get us up to speed on what this episode is about, you have watched this one before, and... I haven't. Um. Okay, uh, this episode has uh, the main plot, which shows uh, Klinger getting a Dear John letter from his wife, uh, puts him into a depressed spin, and then he is preyed on by an army recruiter uh, who talks him into re-upping. There's also a B plot, which has to do with a male nurse uh, who is working with the other female nurses who does not have the automatic uh, officer rank like the female nurses mm. do mm. and so they try and figure out what they can do for him mm. well that sounds like we're going to get into the weeds on this one and I can't wait to hear your analysis on it <laughs> particularly so I'm going to go ahead and with that uh, introduction I'm going to hit play right now I've started mine we're watching this on Hulu so some of us may have ads some of us may be uh like me and enabled ad block on my browser. <laughs> so, uh, you know, n- not getting into that sweet, sweet uh, Nova-based dismantle capitalism take when we watch the ads. I'm going to be missing out on those. But <laughs> If it shows up on this end, I will, I'll, I'll go off. <laughs> so we've got the intro playing on my side. Uh, it's just basically this really chill and somber-sounding song that's actually really sad if you've ever seen the 1970 movie. Um, it's like the lyrics of it are like, Suicide is Painless. I think that's actually the name of the song. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a weird show. Like, 
my dad really loved this show, and I watched a lot of episodes with it, but the, the intro was just a montage of them unloading people, you know, like, injured people, uh, out of a helicopter. Okay, so y'all are going to have to bring me up to speed on some of these characters, because this show has a broad cast of characters. So we've got, who is this guy? He's reading the mail. That's Klinger. Okay, so... Um, he's- he spends a lot of time in drag in this show, okay. trying to convince everybody that he's insane. Oh, right, 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 right. He's because he's he's trying to get discharged and sent back home, right? So, mm-hmm. because of course, dressing in drag means that you have a mental illness, uh, according to this, um, but not a good enough was- mental illness to get kicked out of the military, apparently. Uh, so maybe they knew something that that we didn't at that time in history. Well, I was. That was back when, you know, homosexuality was considered a mental illness. Uh, right. So he's reading a letter that... He's talking to Colonel Potter now, right? They're talking about... Uh, I don't know. I, I talked over it, but they're talking about a sausage grinder or something. <laughs> uh, she wants me back. Uh, you... You described this woman as a chippy, a leech, and a vampire? All lies. You don't get over a goddess. <laughs> okay. Thank goodness for Gus. He helped me realize the error of my ways. Who's Gus? My best friend. Yeah, hmm. uh, when I was in the military, there were lots of guys who were capable of this level of uh, self-deception. It's a pretty mm. common thing. Right, right, right. So... You know, she, she, yeah, so she, he reads in the letter, I'm marrying Gus Nagy. So he's up to this point not following the thread that, you know, this is yeah. the uh, aforementioned uh, John Deere letter. <laughs> I always call him that after Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> she gave me a John Deere letter. Uh, so poor, poor Klinger, uh, he got the letter, and now he's crushed. And uh, Potter's trying to console him and... Only the way that a uh, colonel in the military can do. <laughs> there, there, pal. It'll be alright. <laughs> you know, it is weird, though. This show has had, like, it was famous for its kind of sense of camaraderie and stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. That they had. Oh, wow. Just immediately cuts to a surgery room. A uh, dude with blood splattered all over his uh, gown. Now, uh, the Korean War, which I was actually uh, stationed on the Korean Peninsula in 2003, and uh, the war took place from 1950 to 1953, and there were times when uh, the North Korean and Chinese uh, military had pushed the UN forces all the way down to the very tip of the peninsula, Mm. and then there were times when they had been pushed back almost all the way into China. Um... So it was a very fluid battle line. Mm. Uh, MASH units had to be able to move at a moment's notice because of that. Mm. Uh, being overrun was a real possibility at any given time. So that's, I guess, why they had to set up these mobile yep. sort of hospitals, I guess, that are like basically doing the surgery stuff in a tent, like, you know, wearing cotton yep. robes and stuff. So the the banter that they're having in this scene here is just basically like, you know, uh, 
this guy's like reconstructing nerves and stuff uh, in a uh, <laughs> you know in a tent. Um, and, totally. And the 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 surgical assistant there, the the male nurse was trying to tell the officer uh, the procedure because he had seen it done before. Mm, mm. Um, and the officer says, you know, what can a non commissioned officer tell me about you know nerve surgery? Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed he said something like. Uh, uh, you know, if you're learn, if you're, you know, doing nerve reconstruction while you're reading a book at the same time, you know, something like that, like, kind of downplaying it or whatever. But the doctor ended up doing the thing that he the the nurse said. Okay. So it's kind of a a common issue, um, where you you get doctors that have like the superiority complex who they. Like they know more than even their patients, so mm -hmm. um, it's it's a it's a pretty big issue in, in the medical field. Yeah, I work in Especially. I've worked in the medical field for you know ten years, just adjacent, not actually in patient care, but uh, just in you know billing and administration type of stuff. And I've dealt with a lot of a lot of doctors on the uh, outside of. Uh, the direct line of duty and uh, and it sometimes it baffles me some of the the mindsets that you know sort of some of them arrive at it's it's wild uh, i've been a nurse for 13 years now and i never get over you know physicians thinking they know more than i do especially the the baby doctors that would mm. come out of med school in july mm. You know, we've had these nurses mm. on the floor for, you know, sometimes 20, 25 years. And mm. these doctors who've been a doctor for six months or so think that they know better. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, there's definitely something to be said, you know, for the expert, the expertise and the, the level of training that they go. But there's, it's just wonder, like, there's so much of it is based on a power dynamic, too, you know, that gets kind of instilled, uh, in, you know, in medical school or whatever. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's definitely... I don't know, man. It's... Now, you take that and add being an officer into the mix, and it just compounds the whole thing because mm. right. they have the exact same problem. Right. So it's oh, it almost like... historical note here. Um, this, um, there were no male nurses in the Korean War. Um, mm. Men were not allowed to be nurses in hmm. the Army Nurse Corps until 1955. Huh. I'll be... So is is this guy here that's talking now the 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 recruiter guy? I I missed that. I, we were talking to him or anything, but yeah, he's a recruiter. Okay, so he's trying to. All right, so he's talking to this young kid here, uh, in the bar. <laughs> I say bar. Everything in this Whoa. place is a sheet metal tent. What did I do? What did I, what did he say? Oh no, no, not you. This this guy. It's like I got a great girl to go home to, and not to mention my wife. Oh. <laughs> Right. So funny. Uh, cheating on your wife is hilarious. Right, right, y'all? <laughs> I mean, it's no. it's something that's been, uh, it's like constantly, uh, you know, joked about, uh, you know, in, in, in cultural media and stuff like that. But it's like one of those things like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm just joking. Yeah. So, uh, Klinger is uh, lamenting. Again, here, up against, leaning up against the jukebox. The recruiter bot brings him a drink. Does he and get paid commission? 
Uh, no, but it will impact his uh, promotion chances and uh, lots of his what his reviews look like. I mean, he gets point. He gets like points for it. You know, it's uh, that's it's gross. not like paid a commission, but it's yeah, it's it, he is heavily incentivized. Person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is his rank? He's got three up and three down. Uh, I mean, I don't know for sure because it the, the ranks have changed over the years, and he's in the army. Uh, and I was Air Force, but I think he might be like a sergeant major or a, a master sergeant or senior master sergeant. He's pretty up there. Hmm. So, so he's he's uh he's using he's he's using so, this consolation to the army feeds you, clothes you, give a gives you a place to sleep. Every guy in khaki is family. Okay, I see. I was confused because I was trying to figure out what was going on here because uh, he's already in the army, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and the, the the pieces that fit together for me was that that it was a draftee, and mm. what he, the recruiter's trying to do is convince him to uh, react mm. to you know when his draft period is over to mm. continue on in the military. Right, right, huh? And this is the guy who you know at several points in the series has been trying desperately to get out of duty uh yep you know so and now he's saying where do i sign so this just like that the recruiters uh, come in and you know got yep. the contract got ink on the contract or you know it's leading us into he is pulling a pen out yeah. as the scene ended. it really is grooming behavior yep. like everything there is very was very manipulative like type of uh, uh. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you you know, he used his depression uh, and his life, you know, problem as a, uh, uh, you know, a hinge point, uh, a pressure point, you know, to, to make the, to close the deal. And, you know, we've seen this happen time and time again. Like, we went to a farm school and, you know, we've, we've talked to recruiters and there's no, there's no telling how many people have used that despair and that feeling of, like, there's nothing else more to life than just this old place, you know. And then they come in and they, oh. they, they, they latch onto that. Like, oh, there's get out a, and see the world. There's a great big world out there. That's always the joke. Get out and see the world. Um, yeah. But, but in, but for them, it's true. It actually is true. They will, they will get to see something else other than, you know, uh, you know, farm. which is actually. Uh, and it's kind of ironic, but that is actually one of the reasons why there are actually an awful lot of leftist veterans out there. Mm. Uh, it's the same reason you have so many people, you know, from small towns who become leftists when they go to college because mm. they get out on their own for the first time and, you know, see the wider world. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, you'll have the same experience. And I know it was the exact same thing for me, too, where... You know, you get out of your sheltered childhood, and then suddenly you're out there seeing, you know, a bigger world, mm. uh, different religions, different points of view, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it was uh, that well, was one of the big things that got pushed me away from, you know, the conservative Christianity I was right. raised in. Well, one of the big deals that's going on right now in the news, not to derail the episode here, they're they're, they're you know. Uh, in the back office, kind of talking with the recruiter, talking with the colonel. But uh, one of the big things in the news right now is this conflict with with, with Palestine and, and Israel, um, where Israel has been using white phosphorus uh, uh, on the Palestinians, which you know is bad. Is bad. Is real bad. Anyone who doesn't understand, white phosphorus is basically like a incendiary grenade that just 
burns people alive. Like it covers you with this it powder. It burns when it hits contact with the air, and it, it's almost impossible to put out. Yeah, it, it's just, it's just the. Yeah, the Air Force gave a guy a Medal of Honor for throwing a white phosphorus flare out of a uh, out of an aircraft during one of the wars. I remember mm -hmm. reading about that in school. So you can get the Medal of Honor yeah. for dealing with white phosphorus. Yeah, and it's it's been. I mean, this stuff has been time and time again, like you know, admonished. I think is that the right word by the you know yeah. the UN, you know, and any any sort of global agency that deals with war crimes basically white phosphorus is at the top of the list right now and israel uses it like 100 percent of war crime it's 100 percent of war crime and israel uses it time and time again there's just no excuse for using white phosphorus on other human beings you know and you know i, I it's it's really hard to to keep reaching for reasons to you know try and justify anything that Israel's doing in this conflict at this point. Like, I, it's, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible war crime stuff. But back to the show. Uh, Hawkeye is talking Klinger now in the back room. Um, and he's, he's saying, you don't, you don't know what you did. You were, you were hammered. You know, you did, what are you talking, what are you talking about? You re, you know, re up, you know, like, uh, and now he's repeating the same lines that the uh, recruiter said. The army provides you a home and a career. And, <laughs> yeah, he this from the man who built himself wings and tried to flap his way back to the United States. He's saying, you're not you're not mentally well. Like, you know, cross-dressing aside or whatever. Like, he, he clearly has serious depression and has unchecked, undiagnosed problems that need to be assessed here. And Hawkeye's trying to, like, you know, bring him around, but he's already done it. You know, he's already signed the contract at this point. What are you gonna do? There's ways to get out of it. Yeah. Well, so there, he, yeah, he brings it up. There's an escape clause. He says you can't. It's not official until I raise my right hand, and you know, Colonel Potter yep. swears me in. So, so now they're they're trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to get him out of this. He says, let's go dry you out. And he says, right after I see Colonel Potter and take the oath. So, <laughs> mm. terrible, terrible stuff. I mean, and from this, I probably would have, I probably would have re-enlisted, except that there was uh, some issue with, uh, like some weird paperwork issue that meant that I had missed my re-enlistment window because they'd like changed it around because I'd done mm. an overseas tour or something and mm. they wouldn't give me a waiver for it because at the time they were trying to cut people and I was like alright well mm. I guess I'm out then yeah well I mean it's good because otherwise I probably would have stayed in because it's really it's the camaraderie is very enticing yeah it's like I, being in a gang you, you feel well, like you, you don't have somewhere. any camaraderie out here for the most part until you find it yeah that's and that's the thing like we we have this atomic existence in America where all of life is just on your own. You're on your own. Nobody is going to take care of you on in rugged the real world. It's rugged individualism. And the army, uh, ironically, in some in some ways, and the military in general, sort of take puts you in a collective unit. You know, and it's yep. like, gee, gee like whiz, it's designed that way. If we were in some sort of collective. You know, instead of this isolated thing. And so you got to think, like, from a hegemony perspective, like, 
so much of this military stuff that we see, like the the sales pitch that gets used in selling people on camaraderie, selling people on, you know, being part of a unit, being part of a collective, being part of a, a group, you know, they benefit from you being on an island in your regular life, from you being yeah. just a lonely civilian with, you know, nobody in your in your own personal band of brothers outside of the one that we the state will provide for you wink wink in exchange for you know just an eensy weensy little favor every now and then um yeah it's it's rough man it's rough oh so we, there we go they're we, talking about the yeah they're talking about the male nurse there yeah i i, I talked Looks over like it. they were making him that's all right it uh, looks like they were making him sweep the place up because he's, mm. you know, lower enlisted, not right, an right, actual right. nurse. So, uh, he's writing a letter to Gus. Um, you know, just a, a nasty letter, I guess, to the person his wife or ex-wife or girlfriend or was marrying uh, back home. It's hard to say because she he just called her my girl, which yeah, you know yeah. that's that's mm -hmm. totally well, normal. He had originally asked us to take care of her while he was gone. Uh -huh. I think he just took it a little literally in this case. Well, that's like a you know pretty common trope I think in our American media. The guy goes off to war, and then there's always a close friend you know there to console the the. Uh, uh, you know the wife or girlfriend or whatever that has needs and so on and so forth and then and of course she know, falls for him because right. she she falls because women are dumb and they don't have any loyalty so they fall for whoever takes care of them they're like puppies mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty it's a pretty uh it's a pretty ridiculous normalization thing and it happens it actually happens a lot but it's also like does do you, you you gotta wonder like does this stuff happen because we're taught that it's supposed to be that way or does our media is our media actually a reflection of, of you know the way things go you know I don't know it makes me wonder well there's not a lot there's the the system does not uh, favor people in the military having trust for their partners back mm. home like there's so much uh, culture in the military built up around that around always thinking that you're being cheated on and mm. that ties into the toxic masculinity in the military which you're seeing some of here with the uh, clinger mm -hmm. and uh it ties into um you know the possessiveness yeah. and the security and all that fun stuff well that's really interesting like i have no mileage with that whatsoever so i, I you know there, I, there's a military slang for it called jody uh, Jody's the guy back home that does your girlfriend, and uh, mm. so you know your uh, girl or your wife cheating on you back home is called getting Jody fucked. Huh. All right. Yep. Totally cool and normal, uh, you know, thing that happens there's, in our culture. Yeah, and there's you know urban legends about in within the military about you know uh, a guy like got sent a, you know a, a video from his wife or something, but it was she sent the wrong video and it was her doing this guy and. Uh, you know, like it's an urban legend. It doesn't, nobody knows if it actually happens or not, but mm -hmm. there's a mindset that it does happen. So that right. leads to, you know, mistrust, which leads to abuse and broken relationships. Right. And then the cycle continues and, you know, before you know it, you've got the plot to the movie brothers, or I guess, I don't know. I don't think I ever <laughs> actually saw that one. <laughs> 
So, you know, I got to give props to Hawkeye for this and the showrunners, actually, for, you know, instilling a character in here that's, like, trying to talk some sense into this guy. Like, look, this, he's, he's, he's talking to the colonel now. He's gone above and beyond, I think, to try and, like, do his due diligence and say, like, y'all are taking advantage yeah. of this guy. Like, yeah. you know. And he's kind of, um, you know, in as respectful as a way as you possibly can say, Colonel, you should be ashamed of allowing this, you know, like, as as much as a captain can say, I guess, to a colonel. Or he's a captain. This there, point, I don't know. There was a scene earlier where one of the captain people were like, we need to show respect for the military, it's honor and stuff, and everyone was laughing at him. Hmm. Oh, I don't know if you caught it there, but the colonel said that he'd actually administered the wrong oath to Klinger. Hmm. Yeah, um, had given the wrong oath to Klinger so that it didn't actually count to buy them some time uh, to get Klinger's mind changed. It's like the George Carlin bit. If you have, if you swear on an upside down backwards Braille Chinese Bible, would that count? <laughs> you know, like we we're so hung up on this. You know, the it has to be done a certain way too, and it, so this is yeah. an example where it could actually work out in the favor of someone who's taking the oath the wrong way. So we've got them. The colonel's got them all lined up outside now. Yeah. And he's getting Major Hulahan. He's talking about what a good guy the, the male nurse was. I gotcha. So, Major, Major Hulahan, which is a woman, is going to recognize... Uh, is this the nurse? They're... Yep, that's the nurse. Uh, yes. She's giving him uh, lieutenant's bars. Okay. But, you know, that doesn't really count. It doesn't really count? Yeah, it's honorary, which yeah, it is... Ew. And uh, Kling, this is Klinger uh, riding up on a horse in a wedding dress? Or uh, in a toga? Or... What in the name of George Armstrong Custer? He's doing Jones? Lady Godiva. Lady Godiva, gotcha. It's, I love that the colonel invoked the name of George Custer. What a... <laughs> you know. So he's asking for discharge now. Discharge, you're going to be impeached. So now everyone's just laughing. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what the meaning of that scene was. Uh, the oath that he gave him was the oath for the president. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So he didn't he didn't actually get in at least he didn't enlisted. actually reenlist, yeah. He actually made himself the president of the USA. Uh sort of. Uh. <laughs> there, he's that's the that's gag. That's not how that works. That's no. not how any of this <laughs> works. <laughs> he was like if they only I'd have known I was the president for a little bit, you know. <laughs> He pulls he pulls the forty five out of the jukebox and smashes it, and now we get credits. All right, I a, had a health dress like that. <laughs> so, wow, man, Alan Alda, what a what an actor. He, he delivered. I mean, I, I I guess there's a reason why he won all those awards and everyone likes him. But <laughs> yeah. uh, fun fact: we actually, when I was at least as late as the mid two thousands, when I was in Korea. Uh, we did still have those little uh, bars like that. Uh, I don't know if the army called them the same thing, 
but in the Air Force we called them the Squadron Hooch, and every squadron on base had its own one. And it was basically just like a little bar, place to do get-togethers. Mm -hmm. uh, the different shops in the squadron would take turns running it, so on different nights. So uh, you got to, I got to play uh, play it being bartender a little bit. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I guess. <laughs> you had music and a pool table and that kind of thing. It, you know, nice. Uh, it's on base. Because if you go off base for your recreation, you're, you can get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's nice to be on base and walking distance from the dorms and you're getting drunk. Uh, right. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, accidentally get in trouble or anything like that. So unpacking yeah, so that, time. That hooch reminded me a lot of ours. It was oh, nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good, good, uh, good old time memories there. So unpacking here, what can somebody bring, just explain to me like I'm five what the, the the plot line was with the male nurse? Like I, I think I guess I just talked over it most of the time. But. Yeah. Um. So the thing with him is, uh, he really knew his stuff, and he, but he wasn't allowed to be a nurse. Hmm. Um. Hmm. And so it's kind of a commentary on how frustrating it was for them that, you know, he knew how to be a nurse. He had the ability, he had the capabilities, but because the system said, hey, you know, you can't, we can't have men do a woman's job. Mm. Uh, he wasn't able, he was actually, it, it kind of disadvantaged him because he wasn't able to be an officer he had to be enlisted because mm -hmm. he couldn't be an officer and be a nurse yeah and it also hurt the unit too because he was clearly doing a better job as a nurse and was performing it you know to a higher level than you know i don't know anyone else there uh and he wasn't allowed to do it so it's like uh, actively shooting themselves in the foot so to speak and uh you know preventing him from 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 fulfilling the role that he wanted to do and I, I, I want to interject on this. You want to talk about preventing someone from doing the role that they want to do. Let's talk about this labor shortage for a second that's going around right now. The quote-unquote labor shortage. So this is a prime example of the idea that someone wants to do a job and they want to do that job well. But the stumbling blocks of the system, of the system are in between them and being able to fulfill their own job, their own work ethic, their own self-worth and what they value for themselves. This is this is actually like I mean I know you know the US military is a essentially the enforcement arm of capitalism and global imperialism so that's definitely part of the problem. But what we're seeing now in these workplaces is that we've got people that definitely, definitely do want to work. They do want to feel worthwhile. They do want to serve their purpose. And they're not being allowed to because the system is not giving them what they need to survive in order to do it. Um, I saw a quote the other day on Twitter that was like, said something along the lines of, you know, capitalism will literally stand in the way of someone's dreams and then claim that it's the only reason people are motivated to work. And, uh, you know, I, that one really, really sung with me, you know, because there's people out there that want to do everything. There's people that want to clean up shit. There's people that want to work at Chipotle. There's people that want to do typing and bag groceries. People like to do that. They take pride in it. If we could just take the wealth and pay the people to live and allow them to do it with dignity, they're going to do it. 
They're going to do it. But instead, we keep doubling down. You know? One of the issues in the uh, episode, too, uh, has to do with, you know, the the whole mindset behind why you know, the, the military didn't like to have male nurses. And, you know, it wasn't even a woman in combat issue because they had... You could be a woman and be a nurse, be an officer, and be in the exact same places, but you couldn't have men be nurses. And it's because mm. there's kind of a stigma against being a male nurse that I think uh, Mrs. Nova might, you know, be able to talk more about and how that is still exists today. Oh, for sure. Um, it's it's really hard for men to get the recognition that they deserve when they become nurses. There's so mm. much um, in the way there mm. there's prejudices with uh female patients especially older female patients mm. uh patients of different cultures uh, mm. who don't allow for male nurses and the the nurses that i've known very much want to do the job they they want to show they're just as good as any woman mm. in a nursing job you know they can be as caring and compassionate and all those typical female traits and i put that in quote mm. um but <sighs> there's so much in their way and i just wish everybody would have the opportunity to just be who they want to be yeah because yeah. we're such a, a society it's based on what you do and not who you are yeah that, and it, you know if we could just give people the opportunity to be the person that they'd like to be you know i think it all overall it would be a better place people want to contribute and be part of a functional society the the rhetoric that's going around right now that people inherently just don't want to do that or are, you know, quote-unquote lazy or whatever. I mean, we're riding on the back of a hundred years of pressure, stigmatization, you know, you know, just injustice, just unfair work conditions. I mean, at some point, this stuff has got to come to a head and people are going to realize that the system itself is standing in the way it's keeping people from realizing their own version of contributing and feeding into a functional society you know it it's 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 preventing itself from being functional and um you know i'm afraid that if we if we don't you know make some changes pretty drastic ones actually to uh to get on the right track you know we're probably <laughs> we're probably going to be in for a very very bumpy ride in the next several years, um, but yeah, I, I think that was a really good episode. I'm I'm glad you were able to chat with us today, uh, Mrs. Nova, and um, really appreciate everyone's time. And uh, thought this was a good episode. A lot of a lot of good stuff in this oh. one. Um, Thanks so much for letting me come. It was a pleasure. Oh, of course, of course, anytime. Um, and with that, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up for today. If you have any ideas for uh, any shows you'd like to see us do, hit us up at HedgePod. That's H-E-G-E-P-O-D on Twitter or HedgePod at gmail.com, spelled the same way. Um, always looking for contributors. Um, always looking for episode suggestions. If you've got, uh, if we missed any content warnings, if we... Uh, missed any takes that were obvious that just kind of flew under the radar because we were talking over something too fast or if you know something you know inside details about the uh, the episode uh, feel free to add us on Twitter I'd love to hear some feedback from folks on this I know we've got some people listening 
because uh, I'm seeing it in the anchor stats. <laughs> so, so some of y'all are out there listening. I'd love to hear what you think about the show. Uh, so don't be shy. Hit us up. Uh, we'd love to love to have your feedback. Love to have it. Uh, and with that, we'll catch you the next time. Bye.